1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective
0: 2020 on Vision Uh, There are some controversial elements to our conversation ahead and you might have your own insight to offer when we get things underway. The words pro-choice they're often used to pretend that women actually have choice around their body and their baby but as you may know Pro-choice is another way of saying pro-abortion. Now it might appear that when there is an unexpected pregnancy that women have little choice when they seek help and are rarely offered constructive counselling about the life and death decision that they make about their baby. So-called family planning clinics won't offer real choice when aborting babies is their business. A conversation today about women and unplanned pregnancy. A conversation about empowering those women through their unplanned pregnancy. Our special guest this hour is Jenny Gary. Jenny leads Diamond Women with a heart to meet women that feel pressured or isolated in an unplanned pregnancy. Jenny, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you Neil, thanks for having me. Jenny, empowering women through unplanned pregnancy, doesn't that lead us to the concept that so many women feel disempowered when they are surprised by their unplanned pregnancy? What do you what are your thoughts about how women feel disempowered?
2: I look. I love the thought of um, women empowerment and empowering women because empowerment speaks to knowledge. Because when you have knowledge, you become um, you you're empowered basically to make informed decisions. And so I feel like a lot of women are disempowered because they don't have knowledge around all the options available to them, and they don't have knowledge um, and knowledge of the support of services that are available to them and exactly what the procedure involves and what the possible um, outcome or consequences could be of each of those decisions.
0: Jenny, before we go too much further in our conversation, I wonder whether for listeners uh, you can outline the sort of work you do with Diamond Women. Now, you're in New South Wales, and yes. uh, you're a fairly big organisation, and so uh, some insight here into just how you function and the sort of work you do, because that's going to help affect the way our conversation evolves.
2: Yeah, Sure. Um, so Diamond was originally set up to provide, um, that frontline support for women facing an unplanned pregnancy. So at that crossroads where she finds two lines on a pregnancy stick or the doctor's just confirmed her pregnancy and she feels somewhere between a rock and a hard place. So our, we have trained counsellors that will listen to a woman so she can feel heard and they provide psychoso- psychosocial Information around all their options. So what we do is we provide information around termination, around adoption and around parenting and around what the foster care looks like. And the reason we provide information around all their options is because if we don't, if we omit termination or abortion, say, they walk out of our offices and they talk to their cousin's best friend's sister who had a termination 10 years ago and she's fine and she said it was easy. But that's not going to necessarily be the case for her or for a lot of women. And so what we do is we provide all the information around them and then we help them unpack what exactly is going on for you right now that is making you feel you need to make a decision between your life and the life of your unborn. And then whatever those factors are, whether it's finances, family, relationships, domestic violence, mental health, um, a medical condition potentially, we help put them in touch and connect them with um, a professional service that's going to help navigate those obstacles. And so what happens then when you navigate the peripherals, the pregnancy becomes less significant in terms of the taking because we've addressed the peripherals. And then because we're a wraparound service, we provide casework, free baby goods and material assistance. Um, all our counselling services are free of charge. Um, and we do that for 12 months post either birth or post-termination or post-placing her baby in a family for adoption.
0: And some will be saying, wow, you've got a (laughs) 12-month program where you're just going to look after this woman in an unplanned pregnancy and make sure that she's supported all the way through. Hey, when you say knowledge is empowering, there's a question, isn't there? Because in that time where you're feeling perhaps at a point in your life where you're most isolated and uh, most uh, even suspicious of where you might even find help. Uh, I'm wondering whether we can just touch on uh, how people can feel even suspicious about Christians who want to yeah, be helpful sure. in this time. What are your perceptions here, Jenny, about, uh, about people and their suspicions about Christians and churches?
2: look, you know, um, everyone has a story and everyone has an experience. And so we can't negate those. You know, some, some have had positive experiences with churches and Christians around their unplanned pregnancy and others have had really negative ones. And that will alter the view and the decision-making about reaching out to services and whatnot. And I think that's where, I mean, like it's 2021 now, we get to make, we get to be different. We get to not, we get to demonstrate um, Christ in action and faith and true compassion and empathy differently. And I think a lot of churches avoid You know, having the discussion because they do find it very polarizing and they don't want to get into it because, you know, the stats say that one in three women sitting in the average congregation in the pew is post-abortive and will have, you know, their own hurts and things. And they don't want to be triggers for that from a pulpit perspective. The church wants to, you know, um, love its sheep. And so I think the church has got great intentions, and I think there's just been a little bit of difficulty in how that rolls out. How what does true support from a church look like from its pastoral care team or the pulpit? And I think um, we get to partner with a lot of churches and rewrite that narrative and rewrite that story so that churches can come along, women, and genuinely provide the, that village of support that they need. So I think it's I think the the landscape is changing.
0: I always love it that in a radio conversation like this, we can be very open about all of these sorts of things, because oftentimes it's difficult in church life, isn't it? Because churches are going to be pro-life. But as you say, there'd be statistics that would show that there would be many women in many churches that are uh, post-abortive. And so Mm. there's this tension, isn't there, about how you approach the issues, because Yeah. Christian heart towards women is always going to be compassionate. Uh, but That's the right. perception in there, because we are pro-life, uh, we're anti-abortion, uh, we, yeah. uh, we are perceived in different ways. How do you think you might juggle those sorts of things? I know you said uh, you know everybody's got their own story to tell. But if yeah. you if you're at the point in your life where you're saying, I need to rewrite the story that I'm thinking and that I'm perceiving about church, where would you start with that, do you think?
2: Look, I'm not a pastor of a church, and I can only imagine the challenges they face. But if um, a pastor unleashed me, per se, on their platform, I think we have a responsibility to talk biblical truth, you know? And the Bible's very clear. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. You know, you don't even need to use your brain. God tells you what to do. Choose life so that you and your children may live. You know, um, there's lots of verses that speak to the unborn, like Psalm 139. So I think we can't negate speaking truth, but then what we can do is frame it and go, you know what, we do understand that, um, that life has so many... We've all made mistakes, and there is healing, there is forgiveness, and there is redemption in Jesus. And we point to that and then practically speaking, you know, I would encourage churches to have like a post-abortive Bible study or healing groups or, you know, a beautiful healing retreat for those that are hurting from decisions they made years ago. And then you know, for girls that um, are in that in their youth groups or in their women's ministry that are facing that decision right then and there, their job is to listen. You know, and point. I think that's what one thing that makes Diamond so unique is that we listen to all the factors that are pressing in on women. But there's always that um, hope that you know that hope that we express through our counselling. There's a faith-filled presence and that we are always looking at solutions and being positive and trying to identify um, ways around the mountain rather than just go, look, we're facing a mountain and now we have to make a hard decision. Like, look, no decision is going to be easy. But you know what? With support, you can actually make really positive decisions. Um, and i mean, like, we're approaching Christmas and here we are, you know, I'm, I was just reflecting with our team around Jesus' birth, you know, to a, a woman who was unmarried, you know, conceived unmarried and the shame and that community, it would have been a tight village. I'm sure that there were all sorts of pressures on her and all sorts of challenges that are not that far different from where we are 2,000 years later for a lot of women facing an unplanned pregnancy. And it does take a lot of courage so what? for churches to wrap around and support, yeah. Sorry, I talked way too much, Neil. No, 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 you about.
0: don't. Uh, what <laughs> wonderful insight, even when you are rising the, the issue. Of course, Christmas is coming, and you raise the biblical story of Mary, and uh, we think Mary, oh, well, she's conceived the Son of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, to everybody on the outside looking in, uh, they're saying, ah, Mary and an unplanned pregnancy. So what we have here is right at the heart of the biblical gospel and the incarnation and yes, there was all sorts of stigma around Mary and Joseph in that day and Mm. stigma continues with unplanned pregnancy and and perhaps the stigma is not altogether a bad thing but it's how you handle that uh, when you are in the circumstance, knowing that you are empowered because you've got some knowledge as to what to do. But in those moments of isolation, uh, in those moments uh, when you are absolutely at your most vulnerable you need someone to come alongside you with a bit of wisdom, don't you?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you look at um, women, like, historically and biblically, when women gave birth, it was a village experience, you know, that the midwives were around way before obstetricians and gynecologists. Um, and so it is, it's all about providing that village, um, which the church is, like, could be absolutely pinnacle for because it's the most beautiful community group on the globe
1: this is 2020 with neil johnson helping you make sense of life culture and current events from a biblical perspective 2020 on vision
0: Wonderful to have you with us on this uh, Thursday edition of 2020. And uh, just before we get to the top of the hour, just a quick mention for those who are in uh, the the state of uh, Queensland, of, uh, of course, uh, today is Remembrance Day. Uh, there'll be, you know, a moment where you can pause. Uh, often, two minutes silence. Uh, we won't have two minutes silence on the radio. We're across five time zones, so my gentle reminder to you, and uh, especially for those Queensland listeners, a two minutes silence uh, for Remembrance Day at eleven a.m. We're talking about empowering women through unplanned pregnancy today. Our talkback line is open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Jenny Gurry is our guest. Jenny leads an organisation called Diamond Women. We're talking about unplanned pregnancy. Jenny, if we're talking the isolation, the challenging time, the vulnerability of women when they've discovered that they are pregnant and it's not planned and perhaps it's outside of wedlock and all sorts of things that might cause some levels of stigma. And they think, Mm. who will I get help from? When they choose to go to a place that... Promotes a pro-choice, pro-abortion approach. What sort of response do you perceive that they get when they go to those centres?
2: Look, I don't work for one of those, but I did do some market research before we started as an organisation, and I think um, I think there's a couple of things to note. I think they these. The people that work for those organisations genuinely think they are trying to help. That—that that is their worldview, and they genuinely think they're trying to help. The, their their perception and their thoughts are, you know, incongruous with often the reality of the women that have experienced determination. But that is their genuine motive. And I think the other issue that's really important to note is that there is there's a underlying motive of. Financial, So they make a profit after every woman that um, goes through a procedure or purchases the abortion pill. So there's there's mixed feelings there. So the ones that are genuinely, you know, seeking to do well by, you know, for the woman in front of them, they will often refer to things like, look, it's not a child, it's not a fetus. Um, there's not, you know, there's a lot of misinformation that will be stouted. They will also speak to... Um, the woman's circumstances and will identify them or kind of reflect back to her as though they were um, insurmountable. You know, yes, you're right, it's hard to raise a child poor or yes, you know, it's very difficult doing it alone. And, um, And the thing is, a lot of that's actually accurate, but it's accurate to the extent that she has limited knowledge about the support that that woman could get when she gets out of that office she has limited support limited knowledge of what could potentially come her way if she chose to carry the child to to, to completion through through all th- three terms and i think um so a lot of it is navigated through their worldview of trying to help a woman by removing what they see being the obstacle and the obstacle being the pregnancy rather than looking at the peripherals being the obstacles. So it's a little bit of a different approach than us.
0: The thought that it's just tissue and uh, it's your body. Uh, it's not a real child. Uh, there's a different yes. worldview involved there. And it's challenging because if you hold a Christian worldview, uh, you are understanding that that's not just tissue in there. That's actually a baby. So interesting thoughts and listeners might like to contribute to our conversation when it comes to perceptions here on so many different dimensions. We're taking calls on one 316 Let's take a call. Graham McLennan is in Orange in New South Wales. Uh, well known to some listeners. Uh, Graham, welcome along.
3: Yeah, thank you. Neil? Uh, Graham,
0: what are your thoughts for our conversation today?
3: Yeah, I, I, we were campaigning uh, against abortion and uh, because the, the Orange City Council, um, they proclaimed Orange pro-life uh, uh, because of the nuclear free zone, they uh, said. So we asked for them to uh, continue having the uh, law upheld, which uh, was in the criminal law of aborting a baby. But uh, I, I, I was... Very um, moved by the silent scream which Bernard Natherson from America, gynecologist who aborted over 60,000 young future Americans, and of course, there's over 60 million Americans that have been aborted. I just wonder, and I, I was interested in this personally because with ultrasound, um, Bernard Natherson saw there was a human being, and then when they tried to uh, kill the child uh, they, the child was trying to um, escape from it and uh, in Australia I brought with a fellow a professor of nuclear medicine at Royal Prince Alfred Hospital and he asked uh, one of his colleagues who's now a close friend, Ernest Crocker to introduce ultrasound to Australia. Um, George um, uh, Rodriguez uh, has a, a, a group that uh, funds ultrasounds for clinics. I was just wondering to Jenny and hello, Jenny. Uh, hello. Uh, yes, yeah, say hello again. I'm just wondering the use of ultrasound and how that is helpful in preventing uh, people uh, from having. And I will talk about people because it's not only just the woman; it's the bloke is always involved uh, in having a baby. So, could you tell me a little bit about um, the, the features and the use of ultrasound in in, in preventing?
0: Graham, great insight there and uh, so ultrasounds, Jenny uh, what are your thoughts here?
2: Yes well it's a great, it was one of the, um, the big decision makers for us when we started as an organisation because in the United States they don't have um, a socialised healthcare system like we do in Australia so most women when they get pregnant don't go for ultrasounds, don't Go even, a lot of them, particularly the lower socioeconomic, don't even go for health checkups. So, what a free ultrasound did in pregnancy centers in the United States was it got women to see a heartbeat or to see their child in utero, which when they were around the decision-making thing, was they found it was really impactful. So 98% of women that were considering termination once they saw a heartbeat would change their mind. The stats were huge. So we looked at that when we started in Australia 15 years ago, and what we found was the cost of the machine was astronomical, and we live in a socialised healthcare system. So we found it um, more beneficial to pay for people, like part of our team, our support staff, Staff to actually come alongside the girl and go, we'll take you to your ultrasound appointment. So there, it's not a medic like therefore it's covered by our Medicare system. It's done by professionals. There's no legal implications for us as an organisation. But what we have is someone that acts like a sister or an aunt, going alongside the. And acting as her advocate and her champion in that ultrasound room. And and she is the first one to go, Congratulations, look, I see, and just bring, um, share something positive around the experience rather than it be, Okay, go get your ultrasound and come back and see us as a pregnancy center. We wanted consistency of care and consistency of carer. And that mentor, that support worker, we have provided, we now run a program called Mum to Mum, which provides socio. Um, social skills, it provides um, nutrition, education, a whole range of empowering skills, as well as provides that social connection where they get to do their whole pregnancy and 12 months after pregnancy with someone that's come alongside them right from the very beginning.
0: Well, wonderful insight. Ultrasound opens up huge insight. That's a little baby in there, not just a bit Mm. of tissue. Hey, Graham McLennan, thanks so much for joining us and for offering those insights. Graham McLennan leads the National Association of Christian Leaders. Uh, He's also got those uh, fabulous connections with the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia and uh, wonderful pro-life organisations all round. And, uh, Graham, thank you so much for your call today on 2020. Our talk back line is open on one eight hundred 316 Let's take another call. Ryan is in Mackay in Queensland. Hi, Ryan. Welcome.
4: Hey, how you going? Very well. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Good. Hey, um, I've I've just stumbled across the station. Um I I don't know how the the chat's going, but I, with all this stuff going on with um with COVID and freedom and all that sort of thing. I just wanted to offer a different, um, I guess, perspective from a human rights sort of um, angle.
0: So, Ryan, um, Ryan, so your thoughts are your thoughts are about COVID or about our conversation at the moment, which yeah. is about uh,
4: uh, about empowering women. Uh, yeah, what are that's your thoughts? Right. Are you? yep. Empowering women. So, from the standpoint of a woman, so no one should have the right to your body, and I think that includes um, a fetus using your body to survive. So if, you've, um, if you don't consent to being pregnant, I don't see a problem with um, stopping that pregnancy. I understand that it's a life, but also it's nine months of someone using your body that you're if you don't have that choice to stop the pregnancy it's 9 months of your life you're giving your body to someone else
0: Ryan it's interesting isn't it the way our thoughts develop about the value of that child in a mother's womb uh, let me bring Jenny in here Jenny your thoughts for Ryan
2: Yeah sure Ryan oh, that's I mean like the point you make I I hear it quite often and I understand what you're saying, and I think you made mention of the word, um, you know, if you didn't consent to getting pregnant, and I think we need to, we have a lot of um, methods these days to prevent pregnancy, you know, uh, different types of contraception and whatever else, and often those fail, and I think I, when someone consents to intercourse, there that that action, that intimacy was. Um, bio- is biologically designed to create life. So whenever you consent, you consent to the risk of pregnancy. And I think, and while, yes, it is a woman and it's, she has to carry a life for nine months, I think, well, you have to, uh, when a woman has to decide, is that what I'm prepared to do? If it's, you, are you going back to the, um, the logic, is it my body, my rights? Or you said, I understand it's a life. So if you understand it's a life at what point do you go, I am prepared to sacrifice that life for mine and on what logic? And if that aligns we tell clients if that aligns with your values, if that if you're okay with that, um, then you know, that's something that you need to really consider. But quite often it doesn't because you are in essence making a choice to sacrifice someone else's life for your own.
0: Jenny, let's take another call. Rachel is on the line from Newcastle in New South Wales. Hello, Rachel. Welcome.
5: Hello. How are you?
0: Very well, Rachel. What are your thoughts for our conversation?
5: Uh, I just wanted to ring. I had a question, but also thank you so much for the work you do. It's pretty incredible. I mean, I know a few friends that um, have had abortions and a few that had unplanned pregnancies and all the women that I know that kept their babies were very thankful and never, ever regretted it. In fact, it changed their life as a positive. So it's just good to hear there's actually organizations doing that. Um, I didn't know about you guys. So that's pretty cool. Um, but I wanted to know, I don't really know how to talk about it with my church. And so I just wanted to know, like, if you have any pointers on how to get that conversation started in the church. And if not, um, like, do you guys go and talk in churches or I just, yeah, I, not really sure how to start that conversation I'm passionate about it but don't know how to talk about it
0: Rachel, great question Jenny, do you do some uh, yes, discussions with Rachel, churches?
2: Yes, such a great question Rachel and we actually hear that a lot because a lot of people want churches to say something or do something and don't know how to approach it there's two options. One, yes, we do go into churches. So, um, and two, you can look at the seasons. So often, you can go, "Hey, it's Christmas. Have you thought of this Anglo-Mary?" Do we have a topic coming up or hey, for Mother's Day, why don't we do an angle where we support women around unplanned pregnancy and then you can share a message or you can highlight a verse with your pastor or you can just send them a a link to our website and we can come and speak on Mother's Day or around Mother's Day around this topic itself. So, um, and then there's Sanctity of Human Life Sunday in September, I believe. And so, or Father's Day. So, you can look at it and then that kind of softens the conversation. It's like an entry point. Hey, we're thinking about this coming up. Um, And it creates um, some open conversation and discussion around the topic without making it really pointed like, hey, I'm really fired up about this really contentious issue. So, that's a soft way. Does that help at all, Rach?
5: Yeah, yeah. And and, and have you got, re like... What about the youth? Do you find youth groups are keen to talk to you guys or not? Not, not Yes, we
2: love, we love speaking to youth groups. I mean, like, it's a slightly different angle. We talk around, you know, we include sex in the discussion and purity and boundaries and all those sort of things. So we make it a lot more youth-centred. But definitely we target whatever message to whatever audience. We've even spoken to a men's group. So...
0: Wonderful stuff. (laughs) Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for your call. And just to reinforce something important here so far as churches go, and uh, for a lot of listeners, uh, you might not hear a lot about what goes on on these types of uh, issues and cases where there is unplanned pregnancy because a lot of the work of pastoral care in churches happens quietly. And privacy is respected and it is a vulnerable time. And so you won't often see a lot of things on the surface and, uh, you know, hopefully rumors are shut down and those sorts of things. But oftentimes, and I'm sure you'll find this with your local church, that your pastors in your local church are very sensitive to issues around uh, unplanned pregnancy. But there is a lot of wonderful support that happens in churches Pastoral care, as I say, often happens very quietly, but it's going on, uh, believe me. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. Sterling is in Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Sterling. Welcome.
1: Hi, Neil. Hi, Jenny. Great to talk to you. Look, I was just uh, sitting here thinking, you know, the governments have been very short-sighted in their mad rush to legalise abortion in this country, and I'm just wondering why, if they're going to do that, running in conjunction with that, bringing in legislation that streamlines adoption in Australia so that, you know, childless couples that can't conceive naturally um, they can adopt the little Australian baby that um, a young lady, you know, she has an unwanted pregnancy and the, the two can be linked up. Now, that would have a threefold effect. One, it would offer another um, option to the young lady, you know, keep the baby, terminate, or third, preferably second choice, adopt the baby out. Sterling. It, yep. So you finish it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, it would give the, the child a chance at life. You know, and yeah. thirdly, the young lady may be able to establish a relationship with that child sometime in the future.
0: Yep, Sterling. Good thoughts there, Jenny. Uh, the adoption dimension in unplanned pregnancy. What are your thoughts for Sterling?
2: Oh, I love Sterling. Sterling, brilliant thoughts. And honestly, adoption is like one of my absolute passions. And but unfortunately, in Australia, adoption has a worse stigma than unplanned pregnancy. It's. It, it's classed as the A-word where abortion used to be called the A-word. Adoption is now the A-word. You mentioned adoption to a lot of um, large NGOs that work with vulnerable families and they it's akin to stealing a child from its mother and ripping it out of the womb and placing it in another family. It's just got the worst reputation. I think a lot of factors play into that. I think... Um, you know, the our history in Australia of the Stolen Generation and what we did to our Indigenous children years ago has played historically into its poor reputation. Um, there were shows a few years ago, um, not without my family, I think, to that effect, where you saw people that had been had had a hard adoptive process and then were reunited with their birth families, it created a lot of, um, not a lot of celebration around the topic and so the government just won't even engage in it in conversation um, in America it's done quite well here it does happen, there are a number of adoption agencies and it is something that we float with um, women that come and want to talk about all their options but it's nine times out of ten that's the one that's quickest to be shut down so I agree that the government you know, could have could potentially look at ways to making this a bit more of an inclusive process for women that um, are choosing not right, not necessarily not to birth. Um, but in the meantime, um, yeah, just, you know, if you ever come across a woman and really suggest that as a positive option, um, there's a thing in Australia called known adoption. So if I was related to someone like my niece fell pregnant, she can put her baby in under my guardianship and I can in essence be her legal guardian or adopt her child. That's quite common in certain cultures within Australia but in terms of um, what we traditionally think of as adoption where a mum places her baby up for adoption and then it goes to a family that's known or unknown, um, that's very rare. In, I, think, I think it was 2007 there were like 14 adoptions in New South Wales.
0: Wow. Sterling, good thoughts there, and thank you so much for a great contribution. And our talkback line remains open, 1-800-316-316. Jenny, before we move on from there, I don't even know whether it's federal or a state thing, what happens with adoptions, but is there room for a campaign? I mean, we've got a federal election that will be coming up not too far away. Is this the sort of issue that from a position of seeing the value of those babies is there some way that a campaign would perhaps be necessary to to get abortion back on the uh, adoption back on the agenda Look
2: I'm not an activist so it's hard to speak to I think the conversation needs to be we have a state by state adoption laws and I think the the um more than anything is we need to re- rewrite the language around it, like recreate the positive stories, show how adopt... We have got a really fantastic adoption process. It's lengthy, which seems like quite taxing, but the reason for it is that it protects the birth mother, it protects the adoptive family, and it protects the infant. Um, but done right and done well, it's done magnificently. Um, and there are positive outcomes for each. And we've, we legalised a few years ago um, or sometime Go what's known as um, open adoption, which means the birth mother and the adoptive parents get to have a conversation with a mediator and navigate what kind of um, you know exposure I guess to the birth mum the child gets. So do they? Does the birth mum want to see the child at birthdays and Christmas? And okay, well we. Can we don't want to share every Christmas. Maybe we'll do every second Christmas. But it can become this beautiful unified wraparound family. So the child actually gets like an additional set of parents, you know, um, that keeps a healthy relationship with it some as well. So it can be done well. It's just, um, it's again, people don't know how wonderful it can be done. And it feels like the hard option because it feels like you you do have to carry a baby to term and then place it in a family.
0: Wonderful stuff. Uh, We are talking about empowering women in unplanned pregnancy. Let's take another call. Melanie is in the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. Hi, Melanie. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. What are your thoughts, Melanie?
6: Um, First of all, I think it's really amazing what you're doing, Jenny. You and your team, that's some God work right there. Um, I was just really curious because I know that you help women who have unplanned pregnancies and a lot of uh, your clients, they choose life. And I just want to know, how do, how do you manage to do that? How does that outcome happen when, you know, so many people must come in wanting an abortion?
2: Why do they choose to parent? Uh, That's a great question. Sorry, you, Neil. No,
0: no, I was going to say, hey, Jenny, what are your thoughts? <laughs>
2: Oh, no, I love that question, Melanie, and we get asked that quite a bit. I think um, the first thing is to remember is the girls that are coming to us, they are already a little unsure because if they were, um, if they had made up their mind and it was in cement, they'd already be at the, at the termination clinic. Um, so they're coming to us because they want to feel heard, they want to express their concerns, they want to talk about what's happening in their world for them and how this pregnancy has just thrown them on like taking them completely off course and I think outside of being heard is I think they are they wanting to listen and make sure that they understand their options some of them come in just absolutely petrified looking for a lifeline others are coming and going I want to know everything before I make my decision so that I can live with my decision forever others are like okay I want to think I want to keep but I'm being coerced, I'm being told to not to carry the term, there's a lot of pressure from my partner, my family um, the doctors or whatever else, I don't know what to do, can you guys support me can you provide me with some help so at those points at any of those kind of conversations is um, as we don't manipulate we've got professional counsellors that adhere to a strict code of conduct but what we do offer 100% is a real empathetic ear, genuine compassion and very much strength-based and solution-focused. So if someone comes into us feeling that they can't be a parent or feeling that their circumstances are so overwhelming that they feel pressured to make a decision that's contrary to their values or to what they actually really want, then we help navigate Help them identify strengths, times where they've been strong before that they can be strong again or help them find other sources like they might not have a great relationship with their parents but their aunt they're super close to and she's always been there for them so maybe she would be a great support in this process. So, And then we help them understand what is exactly available for them not just their options around the pregnancy but what are the implications for each what does parenting look like, what are the supports that are available to them if they do choose to parent, what is um, what is the process and the supports available to them if they choose to ad- place their baby up for adoption and what's what happens to them, what is the process of a termination, at what week so at various weeks there's different procedures, what is the impact, what's the recovery time, you know what is the financial cost what's the you know let's discuss the emotional and psychological cost do you think that will have any impact have you got any prior um, health condition like any mental health issues that are underlying any of this and let's unpack that um, and let, then let's get you in touch with you know like a you know an obstetrician that can help navigate your medications that you're on so that won't impact your child so your fear of having a child with additional needs will be you know minimalized or navigated and so I think when we sit with someone and give them the time and space to just unpack all that information and do it again and again for as long as they need, as much as they want, um, you know, from the moment of two lines on a stick right through to the moment they give birth, they become we become the village, we become that wraparound support that was able to help them choose a decision they made they made and support them along the way. Now that doesn't that yes, we get a lot that choose to become parents, we also get people that choose to terminate. And um and we have to respect the decision and not judge. And what we do there is we want to make sure that afterwards that we are there for them as much as we were for someone that chose to keep their baby. And so we provide that free counseling um for as long as they need after for women that choose to terminate as well. Melanie, does that that answer your question sorry melanie (laughs) much too long melanie no that was that
6: was amazing like you guys really walk the walk and not just talk the talk it's so good to hear because personally like the abortion issue is so close to my heart but i actually just to add on if i can another question um is diamond a christian organization or is it Is it a non-for-profit without any religious kind of affiliation? And how does that work?
0: Jenny?
2: Yes, we are a not-for-profit without any religious affiliation, but all our team are faith-filled, Jesus-loving, Bible-reading Christians.
0: Wonderful stuff. Melanie, thank you so much for your call. Uh, There still may be time for another call on 1-800-316-316. Let me take you back to something that one of our earlier callers uh, was really in the middle. And as you say, Jenny, when someone comes to you, it's because they haven't really made a decision to abort their baby because they're in a place where... It's like a go-between. There are blurred lines. They're unsure of direction. And so when knowledge is power, and uh, we're talking empowering women, this p- place of blurred lines, no doubt there'll be listeners to our conversation today who are in this sort of blurred lines place. Uh, you know, well, two bob each way. Well, I of course I believe that that's a baby in there and that we're created in the image and likeness of God and we have value as people. But, you know, this is what the law of the land says. This Blurred Lines, lots of people are in the middle, aren't they?
2: They really are. And it's hard... um when the government says yes, it's legal, and so we have often le- looked to the government, you know, if we don't look to the the Bible as to what is right, safe, and legal. So we, we wear seat belts when we get in our cars because it's legal. We legally have to, but it's legal because the government has enforced that. So to protect us in case we're in case of an accident. So now we can terminate. Um, you know, the unborn up until the day before we go into labor right through the the full nine months. So therefore, it must be safe and legal. And I think um, if we look to the government and not the word of God, you know, if your um, worldview and if you align and believe that the Bible is the way to live, then you're going to blurred line. So, and a lot of the women that we see have come from all different backgrounds and walks of life. And so we have to navigate that, you know, that space between, look, I know that it's safe and legal, but at the same time, I'm not sure because there is something inherent in women that, you know, that is to nurture and protect life. So to make a choice that's contrary to that, that it it's a it is very much a process, and it's walking those that space where we live at the moment at Diamond is navigating that. And how do you communicate that? How do you help women process something they have concerns about, but the government is telling them that it's right, safe,
0: and legal? Jenny, you're in that isolated and vulnerable space. Uh, you've discovered that you have an unplanned pregnancy, and you are in between decisions one way or another. Now, women are often not making the decision on their own. Uh, there are boyfriends involved. Uh, there are often parents uh, who use some level of coercive persuasion to convince uh, women which way they feel. How valuable is this today if you can work your way through the blurred lines and you are involved In a decision that a woman with an unplanned pregnancy is making, Uh, you have, even if you're not the one who's involved here, but someone who might be a trusted counsellor when you have the opportunity to offer your own thoughts and your own advice this has got to be so valuable to actually understand what you believe about what's going on with an unplanned pregnancy so that you can offer some good advice when when you come across the circumstance is that a fair way of saying we can empower one another even though it's 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 men it's women it's not necessarily only the ones who are involved in the the pregnancy itself
2: yeah that's right, and I mean like we we call ourselves diamond women, but we see partners, husbands as well, and I think if we can speak to all parties that are feeling pressured or are affected by this this it's beneficial because you know our you know our our mission statement is to help you know women and their families facing an unplanned pregnancy because once a woman has the child or doesn't have it, it's going to impact her relationship and her family. Um, quite enormously it calls from um, boyfriends and partners all the time you know my girlfriend had a termination she's not been quite right can you fix her you know or um, I I want to keep this pregnancy but my husband is saying no we've got two kids you know I don't want a third um, I don't know what to do I'm bringing him in and he said in the car you know she's not trying to change my mind <laughs> we're not trying to change We're trying to help them see that there's ways around this and um and that that there are options and that there's support out there and maybe an additional child or an, an you know another baby in the family isn't the end of the line maybe it's a, a possible something truly wonderful and so and maybe Maybe that you're concerned. We had one um, gentleman come in, and he wanted to send his two sons to a more established um, private school, in a and move their house to a nicer suburb. And so we were chatting, and he was, you know, quite adamant. And I'm mean like, I my business is my background, so I'm like, you know, well, you know, have you looked at contingency plans? And you know, and I said, I wonder if um, if you won a lotto tomorrow, how would that impact? this pregnancy and he said, oh, it would change everything. I said, why is that? He goes, well, because then I could afford to do everything that I wanted to do. I said, so really the pregnancy is not the problem. It's it's money that's the problem. So let's, why don't we get you in touch with a financial planner that can help you achieve goals without having to, you know, terminate your pregnancy. And um, and they did. <laughs> so it, it's just sometimes it just feels big, you know. In those moments when when we all have expectations and plans for our life and future, I mean, like, has COVID has taught us anything but to be flexible and to not rely on what once knew. But imagine that, you know, pre-COVID before we were learnt to be this adaptable and this resilient. To, to navigate that, it's really hard. And I heard a beautiful expression um, that took the ethics language around this topic that it's called a world of competing sorrows. And I thought, oh my gosh, that so sums up the clients and the emotions that we see with women and their families is because they might be joyous about having an additional child, but they still have to grieve you know, the difficult conversations they have to have with their families or deferring university or postponing the promotion or navigating, you know, court if there's domestic violence involved and making sure that, you know, they are the main, um, get main custody of the child. Like, it is a world of competing sorrows. And, um, and I think that's where our strength comes in is because we are able to be that village and come around and truly support them to make that, to help carry the weight
0: of that, in a sense. Wonderful thoughts, Jenny. A village that comes around someone who is in a world of competing sorrows. Let me give the website for listeners who might want to have some connection here with Diamond Women, diamondwomen.com.au. And I, I want to say, wherever you're listening all over Australia there is a toll-free number you can connect with Diamond Women wherever you're listening it's not just uh, for listeners around their uh, local area in uh, new south wales uh, sydney uh, you've got some uh, some outlets uh, close to wollongong and to gosford to the north but uh, around that sydney area but here's the toll-free number one 851 592 1300 851 Five nine two. The website is diamondwomen.com.au. Diamondwomen.com.au. So, wherever you're listening, uh, connection to Diamond Women and perhaps to take advantage of some of those resources we were talking about a little earlier and how you might be enlarged in your own. Uh, knowledge that empowers uh, at a time which is vulnerable. And uh, so I want to say thank you so much to Jenny Gurry, who leads Diamond Women. Jenny, uh, wonderful insights today. Thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us on 2020.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so honoured and privileged for the opportunity. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much.